0: Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft. Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ.
1: Good morning and happy Wednesday. Welcome to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. I'm your host, Mark Holcraft, joined by Dr. Joe Holcraft. Um, And we have a little bit of a difference. I am joining us today from Dickinson, North Dakota. Uh, But Joe, you remain in Ohio, yeah? I do. Last I checked. (laughs) Good morning to you, brother. How are you? Good morning to you. I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Um, Excited for this morning's show. Excited for uh, a little bit of the change in direction uh, that we're going with Awaken. You know, we, we talked at our last episode, uh, kind of entering into uh, a, a new topic. You know, we we dove into intercessory prayer, and now we're diving into uh, getting ready to explore the questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. You know, and so, and I, I emphasize that because really, to come out of the whole topic on prayer, Joe, and then to go into questions, you know, well, typically it's us bringing our questions or, you know, requesting our, our petitions to Jesus. That's what we've been talking about, you know? And so now we're yeah, saying, wait yeah. a minute. Jesus was asking questions. And so before we really launch into our, each episode, we're going to spend time on, you know, one or two questions that Jesus posed in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, first, you know, and I'm, I was excited about this, Joe, just that discernment and prayer for us of, you know, hey, as we're walking with people and awaken, I think it'd be very important to give a stronger sense of some biblical theology, which, you know, a lot of the shows, we're dabbling in that to some degree, but to really give something of a basis that we can operate from, Hanjo.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, we are uh, set on the path to talk about the questions that Jesus asks in Sacred Scripture. So last week, Mark, we talked about the nature of a question, right? Well, before we launch into the questions, as you speak to it, uh, in Sacred Scripture, we need to settle on, you know, what we mean by Sacred Scripture. So if we're going to be asking about uh, or reflecting upon Jesus, uh, the the questions Jesus asks in Sacred Scripture, we need to look at, yes, what does it mean to ask a question, and also Sacred Scripture. So, um... As we were talking this past week, Mark, we thought it, it was best for our listening audience to, uh, yeah, just take a step back and, and reflect with, with what it is that we mean when we say sacred scripture. Um, yeah. And so, that's what we're setting out to do today, this morning.
1: And Joe, before we dive any deeper, uh, let's open up with prayer. In the name Thanks, of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that your Holy Spirit would descend upon each of us to better know you through a deeper dive into the scriptures and how you chose to reveal yourself to us. Lord, give us a deeper awareness and understanding of your Holy Word through scripture, uh, but also your Holy Word through tradition. Let your Holy Spirit enlighten us and infuse in us that grace of knowledge, but more so that deeper union with you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and through the power of that Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Joe, you know, on, on the outside of this, you know, there's, there's lots of different directions. Gosh, I mean, a, a, a basic setting for biblical theology, there's a lot of directions a person can go, but really um I think where we want to go, I mean just even to ask some of those initial questions, Joe, like how often with Catholics, non-Catholics, how often do we really even consider just uh some of these simple questions like, okay, so if we're gonna dive into the Bible, what does the word Bible mean? You know, yeah. and yeah. What, what's the landscape? <laughs> like what's and I think sometimes we could just I know I do some just jump ahead, just run ahead uh in a certain sense when I say run ahead, to some extent, almost to run ahead of the Lord himself. And so mm-hmm. let's bring it back. And so I'm just going to throw that right out there, Joe. You know, yeah. what does the word Bible mean? You know, the first thing, that comes to my mind, of course, we pass on to kids, oh, basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> you know, yeah, Which, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of beauty and truth in passing that on. There's, uh, but what, what does the Bible mean? And in this regard to scripture,
2: yeah, and I, it, that's such an important question, Mark, and the reality is, as we ask that question, we also have to ask, what is it that we mean when we say uh, Old Testament, New Testament? I mean, these yeah, are just yeah. so fundamental, um, because the three words, Bible, and then I say words, more phrases, Old Testament than New Testament, they're all interrelated. The word Bible, uh, from the Latin, and then also the Greek, Biblia, meaning mm-hmm. letter, scroll, book, uh, Really sacred scroll, sacred book, um, sacred letter, and I emphasize the word sacred. This is how it was always understood in the first few centuries. Uh, And then Old Testament, New Testament, right? Uh, uh, The the Greek word, uh, the Latin for testament is testamentum. That, That really translates the Greek diatheke, which is probably better translated as covenant. Now, why highlight that? We're just going to keep it simple here, Mark. Um, When you talk about the Old Testament and New Testament, what you're talking about is Old Covenant and New Covenant. And why that's so important, Mark, is because right away you begin to appreciate that the Bible, God's sacred scroll, God's sacred letter, is God's love affair with man, if you will. Because the word covenant, as in general terms, it might be defined as a compact agreement between two parties. In sacred scripture, it's not uh, uh, this is yours and this am, and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine because it's more than just an agreement. It's a bond between not parties, but God and man. And so what we are made to then understand again from the outside, uh, outset, Mark, is that the Bible is God's love affair with man. Now, what's interesting when you go to interpret Sacred Scripture, and it's 73 books, 46 old, 27 new, is that you have to, on some level, Mark, appreciate it as a book. What do I mean? Well, for all of our faithful listeners out there who love to read, they know that uh, you never start a book and say Chapter Nine, Seventeen, Thirty-Three, whatever, right? <laughs> and quite honestly, you don't need to be an avid reader to know that. If you've ever read a book, you never start in in, in any other chapter but one, right? So, um, what's interesting about this, Mark, is I think for a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of Catholics, we just might go to a book, and I get it, whether it be Proverbs or. Or I don't know First Kings, or maybe it's the New Testament and and Matthew or or John. What we have to realize is that's okay, that's good because certainly Sacred Scripture is the inspired Word of God, and, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But there is that element of it being a story, the story of our salvation. Right? So if I go, for example, Mark to the Gospel of Matthew. That would be, by definition, chapter 47. If there's 46 old and 27 new, the first book in the the New Testament is the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, What does Matthew do? What is the first verse to the New Testament? It boggles many minds, but when you really sink into it, you can begin to appreciate what what Matthew's doing. The first verse to the the New Testament is, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What is Matthew doing there? Matthew wants us to go back to the first book. Okay? If you're going to understand chapter 47, you have to first understand chapter 1.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
2: and, and, and in light of what I've already talked about, this just isn't any other book, but one that is about a love, affair, a love affair. A love affair between God and man. And yeah, so if you're going to understand that, you've got to go to the first book, the Book of Genesis, and so that's why in our study, Mark, um, starting two weeks from from today, and and however ever, uh, however many months our study takes, we're going to be going back into the Old Testament, uh, so as to appreciate what Jesus is saying. So that for me, Mark, is really uh, the highest priority for us to grasp that. Everything we talk about with respect to sacred scripture is about an uncovering of how we are to encounter Christ, the one who desires to be in a bridal union with our very souls.
1: Well, and Joe, so to continue to, to play out this description you've given us, you know, the scripture is always playing on words, you know, and I, and I love it. It's important to pay attention to. It's an invitation for us to be drawn in deeper. You know, and we talked about that in our last show regarding the importance of invitation and challenge and what's happening in that when you're challenged, you're actually being invited in, you're being drawn in, you know, so the play on words, you know, I think for a lot of our listeners, myself, when I hear the word testament, you know, another word that comes immediately in mind that's close to it is testimony, you mm-hmm. know, and so when you're talking yeah. about sharing the story, you know, if I, uh, if I give my testimony, I'm I'm sharing and unveiling some of my story, but really God's story in and through me, how God's revealing himself and making himself known to me. But, and this is what I um, I love regarding the faith, but truer to the definition of testament and building on that word covenant, well, I can share my story, but it really, it doesn't quite do justice. It's not going to take it as deep. And so when you talk about more of that, you know, what we would be familiar with in regards to that that covenant uh, would be a contract. But and you, what you started to describe is it's more than just a contract. And I don't know that you use this word as you're talking, but it's an exchange. And that's yeah. where, in light of our faith, in light of, in light of the Christian religion, let alone Catholicism, uh, it's an exchange of people, you know? Yeah. And, of course, the ultimate exchange, Jesus giving himself up for us. You know uh, the pinnacle, and we we encounter that most prominently in the Eucharist. You know, and so there's as as always there's there's those layers, Joe. As always, there's those layers. Um, Yeah. But no, I I, it makes all kinds of sense, and just to give that backdrop a little bit and to dig into that a little bit, um, it's going to be important for us this morning, important for our listeners uh, to be able to dig into that. And you said, you know, the great love affair. You know, that also draws me into that exchange. Jesus' desire to be intimate with us in such a way that he enters us. You know, but he, but he doesn't just enter us in the Holy Eucharist, but then to, to, you know, again, to play on words, but to eat up his words in Scripture, to yeah. know Scripture. Um, and that's that's what we want to dig into a little bit. And so when you're talking about chapter chapter 47... You know, again, it's, it's perfect, you know, and to the extent that as we discuss and so many of the one-liners come to mind, and for for those of us who just love the cheesiness or, you know, if we, get, if we want to use those words to describe certain things, there's sometimes that's to me what describes it, you know, and so the Bible, we may have heard it referred to as the greatest story ever told. You know, well, this is it. And again, just to play on those words, Joe, that you were talking about uh, in regards to story. You know, we can't just jump in on chapter 47 to better understand chapter 47. Well, we've got to read chapter 1 and the whole thing. And this is, in, the, in essence, this is what we're wanting to do. Before we dive into uh, offering some ref- deeper reflections and diving into the questions that Jesus asks, well, before we could probably appropriately dive into that, work this episode is giving a little bit you know going back to the beginning but uh bigger picture hey let's look at the bigger picture first before we do this deep dive
2: amen amen and you know a, a deep dive into sacred scripture mark really demands uh, a deep dive into how we uh, are called to understand who christ is uh and and what do i mean there well so <laughs> As the catechism explains, and we can find it, of course, in sacred scripture, um, when we talk about interpreting sacred scripture, we always have to be mindful that it, it is truly Mark, the speech of God put down in writing under the breath of the Holy Spirit. So in this context, it is a work unlike any other text because it is the word of God. Uh, and its, its relationship to Christ is very important because we could properly say that just as Christ is fully human and fully divine, so is the Word of God fully human and fully divine, right? Uh, Scripture is the Word inspired and expressed in human language. Christ is the Word incarnate, enfleshed in human nature. So, the inspired Word must always be read in a way that sees this interconnectedness between the letter and Spirit, uh, the divine mark working in history. The Jesus of history is the Christ of faith. So, how we interpret Christ is how we interpret the Bible. Uh, And again, in this, we say our our interpretation is Christological. I mean, Mark, we are always looking to interpret the Bible in faith for because, as I (laughs) have already said, it is a sacred text, right? A text that is altogether different. Not just a story of history, but one of faith. To remove faith, is to remove uh, the fullness of the intended interpretation of the the, the sacred text, right? Uh, Absolutely. As as, as von Balthasar once said, you know, sacred scripture was never intended to be treated like that of a corpse, something to be dissected Mm. that is absent of life. Wow. No. I mean, the the spirit is love itself, um, but it is also life itself. So this Mm. becomes a, a very important Uh, mode of interpreting sacred scripture. In fact, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Mark, uh, was really dwelling on this in his opening, in his prologue to his uh, three-volume Jesus of Nazareth. The importance of seeing that Jesus Christ, uh, that the, the analogy of Jesus Christ is very important to understand how we interpret sacred scripture, and that ultimately... To ignore the faith dimension to a religious book seizes a proper interpretation to the Bible, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, and I emphasize this because today there's there's this emphasis on the Jesus of history as mm-hmm. opposed to the Christ of faith. No, it's not just Jesus or it's just not Christ. It's Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right?
2: So we emphasize this because. We go to the biblical text, uh, every time we open it up, praying those words, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? Of the, the father of the, of the possessed son, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief.
1: Yeah, um, yes.
2: What, central Jill, to an um, interpretation.
1: It just to jump in, we need to take a break in a couple of minutes, um, but at, the, at near the top of the hour in that opening prayer, I had also pr- prayed that the Lord would give us the grace of Not just scripture, but to know God and how God reveals himself through tradition. So this begs, briefly, uh, if we could just treat this question too. So what is tradition then in light of uh, scripture?
2: Yeah, well, well, you just said in light of sacred scripture, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen. I think I think it is. It's not in front of me now, but chapter two verse fifteen. Uh, what does Saint Paul say there? So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Right. So, sacred tradition is this oral transmission of truth. We have to remember Mark that we probably had about twenty years. In between the death of Christ and the first letter written, did the church cease to exist for twenty years? No, no. <laughs> it was handed on by uh, oral transmission, and so sacred tradition held up by the liturgy, of course, because the liturgy is the voice of sacred tradition. Ultimately, we see sacred tradition as as that mode of transmission that is given to us uh, by by mouth, right? And, and of and- course like that of sacred scripture the holy spirit is the guarantor the guarantor of the active presence of the mystery in history uh, thanks to the gift of the holy spirit mark we can rightfully say it will always be possible for subsequent generations to experience uh, the risen life of christ just as the earliest believing communities had and i speak to the liturgy as 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 the privileged source of tradition, because when you talk about tradition, Mark, simply define tradition as conversation with the past. Conversation yeah. with the past. And well, uh, every day it's... when we go to mass, we're having conversation with the past. Go ahead.
1: Oh, so good, Joe, so good. And it's beautiful. you know. And Joe, we gotta, we gotta jump to a break here in just a minute. And so uh, stay with us. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna dive a little bit into uh, un- peeling back some of these layers about scripture. And how do we read scripture? How do we know how to interpret scripture? You know, uh, this is one of the great struggles with uh, the Catholic faith in so many of the different Protestant religions is the interpretation of scripture. So how, how can we say that the Catholic Church uh, has that fullest expression of understanding the scripture? So when we come back, we'll jump, jump into this with how do we read and interpret scripture for what it's meant to be?
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. What I enjoy about Real Presence Radio are the spiritual and joyous feelings that I am blessed with while listening to the word of the Lord.
2: Real Presence Radio has been a great gift to our family and to the area here uh, just to have an option of a positive Catholic voice in the radio waves, and uh, we sure enjoy it as a family.
0: Thank you for bringing Real Presence Radio to the Diocese of Rapid City. Living in a rural area, I do a lot of driving, and it's just wonderful to be able to listen to, to something on the radio that I can enjoy and learn. I especially like Catholic answers and uh, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Hi, my name's DJ. I travel around Beltrami County quite a little for work. And while I'm traveling, I listen to Real Presence Radio on
1: 820 AM. I catch it different times of the day. Sometimes I catch a mass. Sometimes I listen to the doctor is in. I like it. It covers all the spiritual values that I like to have in my own life. Thank you for listening.
0: On October 1st, SMP Health System and our health care ministries in North Dakota are changing our names to better reflect our Catholic identity and our unity as a health care system. We will continue to provide the same compassionate and personal care to our patients and residents in the spirit of the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation, whose first hospital in North Dakota opened over 100 years ago. Visit us at smphs.org for more information. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft.
1: Welcome back to Awaken. This is Mark Holcraft, and I'm, uh, I'm in Dickinson, North Dakota right now, 45 degrees. And so welcome fall. <laughs> I tell you what, though, this is great fall weather you know 45 degrees the high might be low 70s low to mid 70s and so this i would imagine be similar for fargo today um this is this is that time of the year you know we we just had uh the first day of fall and i tell you what joe this is this is beautiful the air is getting crisp you know it's a changing of seasons mm-hmm. and uh the, the leaves are starting to change i love it
2: yeah one of the things i've told my wife and and kids is about living in ohio so we lived in california for last 16 years and we've recently moved to ohio and we're now a year in we have experienced the fullness of four seasons and uh, it's there, there's something about it right there's something about experiencing change uh I- experiencing all all aspects of
1: of god's uh god's creation it is it really it's a manifestation of god's creation you know, he created the seasons, and I, I love it. You know, we experience the seasons in North Dakota, Minnesota area, you know, our Real Presence Radio Network. You know, we experience the seasons, but it's definitely a little lopsided on the winter, <laughs> you know. Uh, it, get, it gets cold for a long period of time, but really the falls in this area are beautiful. Um, and so, just how things change. I love it. So, uh, you know what? Friends who are listening, our, our listeners. One of the things I, you may have heard me occasionally refer to, hey Eli, and I think I've taken it for granted that our listeners would know who Eli is. Uh, so Eli is our technical producer. Uh, he helps us out all the time. So all things with Real Presence Radio, but in particular Real Presence Live, which is every weekday seven or nine to eleven a.m. Central Time, uh, eight to ten a.m. Mountain Time, but for for Awaken, he continues to service in that way. So if you do hear me say, hey, Eli, or refer to him, or he jumps in, and you're like, hey, wait a minute, Who, who's that the voice? He likes to say, that's the voice that's under your table. <laughs> Which, if that's not a little creepy, <laughs> but just saying. <laughs> uh, but if you hear me refer to Eli, uh, Eli is our go-to guy behind the scenes, helping to make uh, Awaken happen, and we love Eli. So good morning, Eli, uh, and just... I realize I I think I I made that jump from Real Presence Live to Awaken, but I didn't necessarily invite our listeners to that jump for our Awaken listeners. Uh, That being said, that was not the point I left off from before the break. (laughs) And that is just diving into, uh, as we dive and take a look at scriptures, how do we know how to interpret scripture? You know, why don't we, and these are some of the questions I've heard plenty over the years, Joe. Well, why don't we, you know, why don't we take scripture literally with with every aspect? But then, if you really read scriptures, if you read through uh, this collection of letters that eventually makes up the book, you know these these collection of seventy three letters that make up the book and the Bible as we know it. Well, if we read through it, the whole thing, and like if that's literal, then we are officially we've gone nuts. And so, yeah. but to understand, as we understand literature and the different genres of literature, how to read it, just like to understand poetry and to understand, you know, uh, songs, to understand analogy, well, then we start to, it, all of a sudden it makes sense. And that's it, we're peeling back those layers, Joe. Um, and I say it makes sense, but that's that's kind of the word. And so I'd, I'd love to dive into that some, Joe, you know, these different uh, senses of scripture. Yeah, so
2: how do we interpret the Word of God? The Church identifies two overarching senses. Mark, as you were just hinting at, the literal sense and the spiritual sense. Um, and, and these two senses, uh, the spiritual having other subsets, we'll get into if we have time, uh, communicate the richness of the text. So let us look at this. Uh, as, the, as the Catechism highlights, the literal sense... Is the actual meaning uh, conveyed conveyed by the word of Scripture through cultural and historical context? All other senses are based on the literal. Not that it is more important, but more a matter of priority by sequence. What do I sure. mean? Uh, well, Mark. So we have a sister who's a sister, as I like to talk about oh, it. Sister Victoria. We have a bot- Maria. Yeah, yeah, a biological sister who is a Carmelite cloistered sister. Now, uh, she has written me many, many letters through the years. She's been professed now for, gosh, what is it, Mark, 17, 18 years. She's written written many letters to me. And and on one hand, when you read a letter from Sister Victoria Maria, you will be moved, you know, to live... um, more upright, right? Is she just? There's something about her letters that are inspiring, but there's something else about her letter. If if you were to take, if I was to take all of the letters she's written t- to me, put them in a treasure chest and bury them, say for 500 years, would if someone were to uh, find this treasure chest and read them, would they be inspired? For sure, no doubt. I, I think anyone who were to read Sister Victoria Maria's letters 500 years from now would be inspired by just her her joy that's just popping off the page and and certainly her, her inspired words. But to fully appreciate her letters, you'd have to uh, get into the time frame from which she spoke, right? Because many of her letters um, have maybe, say, a, a religious context that is proper to 2000 10 or 2015 or 2021 or maybe the political climate of 2010 2015 2021 so if you're going to understand the fullness of what sister victoria maria had to offer her brother joe way back when you have to work in the tall grass right you have right. to sink into the history and so what you would have to do then is to get into the original habitat and that's what the, the literal sense is about with respect to sacred scripture, getting into the original habitat of of the author himself. Right? Who was his intended audience? And what do I mean here, Mark? Well, Matthew is writing to a Palestinian Christian Jewish audience. That is a very different audience than say Mark or Luke, this Mediterranean or Gentile audience, and, and so. By virtue of who they're writing to, there's going to be a certain emphasis to that, right? Which means then what? Well, you're going to have to get inside that, that culture. You're going to have to get inside that, that history during that time in those, in those cultures. So, when you talk about the literal sense, you're not saying, you know, you're called to be a literalist per se, right? Cutting off, cutting off uh, hands, but quite literally, quite literally getting inside the intention of the author if if you know if any kind of scientist respects the origin of its data right if, if you're a zoologist and you have to care for say a monkey if you want to care for that monkey you're going to have to go to that monkey's original habitat this is what the literal sense is about right mark and that's again just to, to get our reflections started we need to be thinking about this and because without it it's going to be a very truncated interpretation of sacred scripture, kind of
1: a, a, a half interpretation of the biblical text. Absolutely, Joe. And it's not just that uh, we're jumping in half hazard, or even you know we're coming in in the year two thousand twenty-one. But our awareness and understanding of scripture, and really, I mean, one of the words that stands out to me, Joe. You know, you refer to that that science. You know, Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I think is is hugely instrumental in helping lay out the foundation of how we can understand Scripture. He was hugely instrumental in the very topic of our ability even to articulate looking at these two different senses: the literal sense and you know eventually the the spiritual sense. But how the spiritual sense is going to be founded upon that literal sense. So uh, what I'm getting at, referring to Thomas Aquinas, is As we look to these these great spiritual and intellectual uh, holy men and women of the last, you know, more than 2,000 years or 2,000 years, basically, we start to see like, okay, this is, it's building on that foundation, Joe. How are we to understand it? You know, you see, you refer to that gap in time, you know, from the time that Jesus died to when we really received our first letter, at least 20 years went by. But then... So what happened in that time from when Jesus died to what I referred to earlier, the Bible and the collection of those 73 letters, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a solid 300 years go by of prayer, discernment, collecting these letters, not letting other letters that don't quite play out in the same, like, okay, what kind of role does that letter have? Does it need to be added to this? And the word that we would use is to this canon. This canon Mm -hmm. of letters, right? Yeah. Uh, And so there's really, there's this beautiful unfolding and how the Holy Spirit guides uh, these holy men in those first 300 years, even. Mm -hmm. So what we're able to talk about now is built on a very strong and tested foundation already. And Joe, the word that starts to come to mind, and I'm, you know, again, it's always resisting the temptation to go down certain rabbit holes. Um, But then all of a sudden we start to see an authority play out, huh? Starts to see Mm. authority play out with these senses. Um, But, uh, Joe, dig in for us. And I'm I'm loving the analogy with Sister Victoria Maria because it's so real. It's so real and personable. And yet, and this is exactly, you know, those great figures that we start to read about, like in the Acts of the Apostles. That was real. That was in Mm. the moment. You know, what are the smells of the time? The dust being kicked up from the sandals. The whole context of the time. The the politics at the time during the Roman Empire, you know, the persecution at the time for those first Christians, what did that look like? You know, this is again a little bit of a tangent, but for us, uh, Catholic Christians now, we we to some degree around the world we're definitely there's a kind of persecution depending what part of the world you're in would reflect what level of persecution whether it's something as as simple and I don't mean to simplify or dumb it down but even if you're made fun of your made fun of for your catholic faith or indeed your life is being threatened for trying to live out your catholic faith but i think we often forget joe the the very beginnings of the church came out of an intense time of an anti-Christian persecution, blamed for hmm. things that were not for us. You know, So just a whole notion of perspective, as we take a deeper dive into Scripture, it even helps us with a perspective as we begin to understand the deeper layers of the context. What was the the cultural milieu, right? Um, yeah, milieu, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's a milieu, milieu, tomato, tomato. Yeah. Can we do that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but digging into spiritual sense now, because y- you laid a little groundwork of how the spiritual sense really kind of stems and flows out of that basis of the literal sense.
2: Yeah, well, Mark, you mentioned an important word, canon. Uh, and, and I want mm-hmm. to take that as a segue, because canon, it comes from the Greek, which, uh, which translates as measuring stick. So what was the measuring stick to uh, what ultimately gives us the canon of the New Testament? Uh, Well, it was the Mass. Now, how were (laughs) all of these letters being utilized uh, in the Mass that would bring about uh, or or suggest or point to uh, what makes up the canon? Well, (laughs) if you go to Mass, what do you hear? You hear an Old Testament reading and you hear New Testament readings. Uh, The Old Testament was paired with the New Testament to the degree that one was shining a light on the other. So, yes, when you talk about the canon of the New Testament and the 27 books, certainly that's going to be tied to not only the Gospels and those who are with Jesus uh, and and the the epistles, uh, you know, St. Paul, uh, so dramatically uh, impacted by Christ, but also the other measuring stick was the spiritual sense. And in that, I mean the way in which Uh, the New Testament revealed the Old, and the Old revealed the New. When you go to Mass today, the readings you hear, uh, there's a common theme to them. And this this was the Mass in the earliest Church. So, this kind of became a measuring stick to what would be decided upon as the canon of the New Testament. Of course, the Catholic Church and the Council of Hippo 395 brings this canon together. Now, all that being said, let us... Get into the actual spiritual sense. Uh, So the spiritual sense is broken down into three categories: the allegorical, the moral, and the anagogical. The anagogical, what? (laughs) (laughs) So first, the allegorical sense. Well, again, simplify. What do we mean by allegory? An allegory is the description of one thing under the image of another. Uh, Apply this to sacred scripture in the inspired text, and what you have is the way in which things of the old law or Old Testament signify things of the new law or point to things of the new law in persons, places, and and institutions. Uh, More specifically, Mark, this is what we call typology, which is simply the study uh, of types of persons, places, and institutions as they prefigure Christ and his church. So, in this principle, we begin to see how Jesus and what he came to establish in the church corresponds directly to the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament. You see, once Christ lifts the veil of the Old Testament, we begin to see how the Old Testament drama is charged with even more grandeur. Uh, Such images and signs as water, fire, clouds, gardens, hills, trees, doves, lambs, are now viewed in light of Christ and his church. Now they become an invitation to the reader to go deeper into the mystery of God's love. Right? In Romans 5, verse 14, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So here, Mark, St. Paul describes Adam as a type of Christ. Just as sin entered the world through Adam, so grace enters the world through Christ. Just as the wood of the tree in a garden would be instrumental in the loss of grace, so, Mark, would the wood of a tree in a garden be instrumental in the restoration of grace. All right, so this is, this is typology. This is the allegorical sense. Then, briefly, we have the moral sense, which is the spiritual sense of interpreting Scripture, uh, reading the text with a sense of how the Bible instructs us how to act with justice. The, the, the sense that projects towards living in the wisdom of God. And lastly, the anagogical sense. Uh, the, the word anagoje, it, it means future. So, this sense is the sense where we reflect into what we were made for. You know, how countless events in the Bible anticipate our final union with God. Uh, that is how the Bible mark is charged with eternal significance. Uh, the word anagogic can also mean step up, where we step up and into the world of mystery. Okay, so the spiritual sense, uh, this language of mystery, um, is forever tied with the language of history. Because what we find in history, Mark, is that life is not a problem to be solved suddenly and abruptly, uh, but a mystery to be lived continuously and perpetually
1: well said joe you know and again a play on words i love even the word history his story so if you want the most objective history uh, one would make the argument i make the argument then we want to come to know his story and what's our involvement amen. in his story you know amen. so we got to take a break here joe when we come back uh we'll, we'll wrap this piece up because there was so much that you said there was so much you said there and we'll also come back to who our saint of today is stay with us amen
0: You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break.
2: SMP Health System and our health care ministries in North Dakota will have new names on October 1st. It's all part of a rebranding effort to reinforce our identity and common mission to provide compassionate and personal care in the Catholic tradition, as was begun in North Dakota by the Sisters of Mary of the Presentation over 100 years ago. For more information, you can visit our website at smphs.org or find us on Facebook.
1: This is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity?
0: Thanks for starting your day with us. Now back to more awaken right here on the Real Presence Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Awaken. If you were just tuning in to that brief little infomercial from uh, one of uh, one of the Real Presence Radio family members, uh, Kim was just doing a quick shout out about the Awaken podcast, and I am going to echo some things that she just shared if you were just listening. Uh, but if you missed that little break, then I'm, then you'll hear it again. Or not again, but for the first time. Um, I, just mindful in that last segment, we had a great opportunity. What uh, my brother Joe was saying, he was really digging into it. There was just some great things to unpack that on the one hand, I just don't want to take it for granted some of the things that he was sharing. Again, peeling back these layers of how we interpret scripture and he was shedding some light on the spiritual senses, kind of using some big words, Joe, if we're not used to it, you know, analogical, uh, anagogical, you know, typology. We're, uh, we're taking a different look. Well, this, these are the different kinds of not just literature, but forms of communication that were used, you uh, know, we see it with Jesus all the time. And we're going we're to dive into that when we dive into the different questions Jesus is asking, you know, some of those questions Jesus is asking, we might use the word now are rhetorical, but they're thought provokers, you know, Jesus was brilliant in that way. But even too, as a way of learning Joe, how in scripture, especially in Hebrew scripture, Hebrew culture to teach by to, if someone ask a question, well then to answer that question with a question, it's a great way. You're taking them deeper into that. So, if you've missed uh, the last segment or if you heard it, you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened there? <laughs> Whirlwind of information, but it's good. Uh, you can access that. You can go to the Real Presence Radio uh, app, app or you can go to the website, go to where the different podcasts are and you can tune into the Awakened podcast. Uh, this po- podcast will be up, if not by the end of the day, today, tomorrow. Um, but uh, so just to remind our listeners uh, if there's something that you missed you can always ask, access it back on the website through the podcast or on the real presence radio uh, app so but joe i know you wanted to make a final point in regards to uh the typology
2: yeah just to uh define it uh specifically and maybe give one more example of it and then i know we're going to talk about saint jerome here in Romans five, chapter four, uh, uh, verse four, chapter five, verse fourteen, we read there, uh, Adam, uh, who was a type of the one who was to come. So the Greek there is typus. Typus it best translates Mark as figure and or pattern. Uh, so you used you used the word you focused on the word history right his story. There is a pattern. Right to salvation history, and when you read uh, one book in light of the other, one testament in light of the other, you can begin to discern that pattern of continuity. You know, Mark Twain once said, uh, history never repeats itself, but it does have a rhyme scheme. Right? Uh, there's a rhyme scheme, Mark, to the old and new, and that rhyme scheme is one that has the figure of Christ fulfilling all these types. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 39, You search the scriptures because in them they bear witness to me. And the road to Emmaus, which we'll definitely explore because there's some beautiful questions there, he's revealing to the disciples on the road how he is a fulfillment to the Old Testament. Loaded. Uh, you search the scriptures because in them they bear witness to me. Uh, the beautiful example that I'm thinking of now is, is Abraham and Isaac. Here you have this father who calls his son to carry wood up a mountain to be a sacrifice. Right? This uh, Mount Moriah, right? Um, well, <laughs> hundreds of years later, another father calls his son to carry wood up a mountain. Right? And incidentally, as we have in sacred scripture, that would be the same mountaintop uh, as as Golgotha and Mount Moriah um, are seen in light of each other. So, uh, this this... Uh, this unity that we are read, uh, this unity uh, that we have in sacred scripture between the Old and New Testament is very very important with respect to proper interpretation. And Mark, we are made for order, right? So when we read the Old in light of the New and New in light of the Old, um, we are reading that intelligible coordination, uh, that which is congruent with each other, that which is synchronized and. To read sacred scripture in this way is to be deeply satisfied. Um, My oldest daughter, she's on this kick, (laughs) Avala. you know her as Avala, our listening audience is my oldest daughter, Avila. She's on this kick right now that she'll just see something and she's like, gosh, that's so deeply satisfying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's her phrase, huh?
2: Yeah, Jackie Jackie just made this uh, cake. It was so good. But when it came out of the oven, it just looked good, right? And she just looked at it and said, oh, Dad, that's so deeply satisfying. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, if anything is congruent, if, if, if anything looks good or looks the way it was intended, Mark, she'll say, oh, that was so deeply satisfying. When we read Scripture as it was intended to be read, as Scripture, as, as uh, rather Jesus himself interpreted, uh, we ought to say, that is so deeply satisfying. And our souls will be saying that, because our, our souls will, will leap for joy. Um, and so, they have it. We can spend, gosh, Mark, hours on this, uh, and I don't want to take up too much more time, because I do want to talk about St. Jerome.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, sure. that's okay, Joe. But let's, uh, as I say, let's get into this, St. Jerome. You know, St. Jerome is... Uh, he, so he, he's our saint of the day uh on the one hand if if you've known things about scripture saint jerome is known for one of the greatest quotes when it comes to reflection of scripture and that uh, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of jesus uh you may have heard that quote before referring to for our listeners uh but saint jerome as always and i never weary of pointing it out He's not a saint because of that quote. <laughs> you know, he's not a he's yeah, not a saint yeah. because he had some good one-liners, you know, you know, put a put a hashtag in front of it and a tagline and boom, okay, St. Jerome's our coach guy. No, it's that life of holiness. And Joe, in even the time that he lived, you know, the time that Jerome lived, he born in 342. Uh we think historian t- historians think roughly around 342 uh grew up uh as a as a pagan uh Roman Empire. Uh he, he grew up at a time uh, near Rome, pretty excuse me, uh Pretty wealthy, pretty well to do. Mm-hmm. He had great yeah. teachers, and that's one of the signs. When you know, in, in that time, when you look at a historical context, um, education by way of education was a real indicator of if they had uh, money or if, if they were wealthy at the time. Uh, and so, from 370, 370 uh, I'm sorry, 342. We see this. I'm getting ahead of myself, Joe. We see Jerome grew up in a family. Uh, Really, something that 's not known is families in the Roman Empire, even if they were you know pagan uh, pagan Roman empire, families were uber important. The role of a father and a mother, especially the respect for a mother, was very important. so an intact family was actually quite important. Uh, Jerome grew up in that, but it was pagan and then it was about the age of twelve that while Jerome was traveling uh, during his studies um, that We start to see he starts to receiving a higher level of education, but he makes this. He's also he's exposed to some of the first Christians, uh, and he's not impressed. In fact, he wants really nothing to do with it. Um, but then, in the year three sixty six, he kind of has a conversion. Um, he becomes baptized. And this is what I when you read stories of those first Christians, or in this case, it's three sixty six. So you, you know you're three hundred years into it, a little more than three hundred years. Um, he was baptized by the Pope, po- Pope Liberius at the time. I, don't know, I think that'd be pretty cool to have on my resume. Is baptized yeah. <laughs> by the Pope, <laughs> you know? Um, but we start to see. So Jerome, he's around uh, 24 years old. He has this conversion, and he just can't get enough of uh, learning. And what is this Christian? This new Christian faith. And at this time, we understand, you know, Christian faith. It was just the Catholic Church. You didn't have all these different denominations. You certainly had uh, sure. attempts of breaking up, you know, dividing. But so we see Jerome really just starts applying these methods of the things he taught. I mean, as a as a young teenager, he was diving into philosophy. He was diving into learning the different languages, um, all these matters of. The greatest that the of what Rome could offer by way of education he really had, but then, in this conversion, he just takes a deeper dive and he 's uh, learning from some of the greatest minds and i 'm mindful that this, this stood out to me with Jerome for today, Joe, because we 're talking about that those years those the, you know the ancient church church, the earliest years from the time Jesus died, and even before Jesus died, you know those first followers of Jesus. Uh, And all the miracles, all the things we see, particularly in the Gospels and in the Acts of the Apostles, and then in St. Paul's letters, we see those glimpses of the early, early church. And then after that, those first 250, 300 years before the Bible and these letters are put together, uh, Jerome was right in that time. Mm -hmm. And he was instrumental. And, of course, this is what he's also known for, instrumental in translating and giving us you know, the Latin Vulgate to the Bible. So we start to see, this is also how we know of some of the witness of those first Christians. It's not just by Christian writers and observers, but by some of the secular writers and observers, people, some of these uh, very educated men who were in turn teaching Jerome. It wasn't that his teachers were all uh, Catholic or Christian as we know it, but they were certainly educated in antiquity, what they knew in their time, Joe. Yeah. So a little bit about St.
2: Jerome. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And just to kind of dovetail what you're speaking to there, especially when it comes to his importance to sacred scripture, you mentioned Latin Vulgate. He was a brilliant man. In the world of IQ, he was off the charts. Uh, Hebrew, Greek, Latin, uh, and, and other languages as well. I think what's really important to highlight, Mark, is that um, you said it. Just because he gives us these, uh, you know, nice packaged quotes, that's not what makes him a saint. Um, in fact, you can make an argument that Saint Jerome was a mystic. You know, after he has that conversion to Christ, uh, he understands what it meant to be a Christian—to live and prayer and in fasting. He went off into the desert and, and prayed for many years. He lived in a cave. In fact, what's really interesting historically is that. It is believed that he lived in the cave that was the birthplace of Christ. Uh, and that, that is where he would have uh, worked on just not the, the Vulgate, but even the commentaries to sacred scripture. So, his commentary to sacred scripture, we have many, many commentaries today, really is, is one of the first commentaries that you would, you would call a commentary. We go through it verse by verse, certainly in other church fathers before him. You had commentaries. But so St. Jerome was a man of uh, a great intellect there. Uh, The other thing, Mark, and I think this is really important because when people talk about St. Jerome, they just talk about his anger and his his temper and his his tenacity. But he was also a man of humility. There's a famous picture of him carrying a stone. uh, And one pope remarked, and uh, when looking at Saint Jerome in that picture, you do well to carry that stone, for without it, the church would never have canonized you. Um, what was he saying there? Because he was casting stones—that's the perception by some. Because he was so tenacious again, um, and he was strong in his criticism. But what did Jesus say? If anyone knew Scripture it was Saint Jerome, right? What did Jesus say? For you who is without sin, cast the first stone. So to, to hold on to a stone. To actually hold on to a stone was a reminder to not cast that stone. He was a humble man. Saint Jerome was a humble man. And we we usually don't talk about humility with respect to anger. But in reality, um, the saint, (laughs) Jerome, always looked at himself and the areas in his life first. You know, Jesus says, Mark, in Matthew 7, Yes, do not judge. But first, take the plank (laughs) out of your own eye, uh, then, you know, offer your brother the constructive criticism. He was one to take the plank out of his own eye. He also knew sacred scripture, and Jesus does say, as Paul says, right, Um, offer admonishment when uh, necessary. And so he did that, but always out of the disposition of humility. So, as much as we look at St. Jerome as this man of, you know, very intemperate, angry, these things, we have to enter into the mystery of who this man was, Mark, uh, a man who knew sacred scripture, a man who knew sacred scripture. Uh, St. Saint, Saint Augustine once said, what Jerome is ignorant of, no mortal has ever known. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> well, that was especially true of sacred scripture. And he knew Jesus Christ. He knew Jesus Christ. That's why he says, "Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ." And so that's what we take with us. This was a man of humility, um, and a man we should we should turn to as as a, as a saint to uh, meditate with.
1: Indeed, Joe, and a self aware man. It gives me hope. He was aware of his struggles, Gosh, amen. and he worked to offset them. You know, and that should give us hope. Uh, you know, again, there's so much we could say. But to bring this, because we we're, we got to bring this to, just to an end uh, so quickly, Joe. I knew today would go by very fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Saint Jerome is, is for our listeners. Uh, it's September thirtieth. It's his feast day. So we're coming upon his feast day very soon. Um, so certainly, we'll ask Saint Jerome to enlighten us with a deeper desire of prayer, a deeper desire to know Jesus through Scripture. Um, before we take off, Joe, just a quick tidbit. So we will begin our first question with jesus uh when he is asked joseph and mary walk in to the chapel after they've uh, the chapel the temple after they lost him join us at the next awaken to discuss jesus first question
0: this has been awaken on the real presence radio network awaken comes to you every second and fourth wednesday of the month at 7 a.m central with mark and dr joe hallcraft Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.